Welcome to Intuitive Eating for Christian Women. I'm your co-host, Erin Todd. I'm a writer and an intuitive eater. And I'm your co-host, Charlie Castle, registered dietitian and exercise physiologist. We're here to help you discover whole health for your mind, body, and soul. That's right. Our goal is to embody scripture, ditch dieting, and live on purpose. Woo! Woo! Yes, girl. We're so excited to have Megan Hadley as a guest on the podcast today to share a little bit about her God story, her food story, and about the lessons the Lord has taught her along the way. Megan Hadley is a nutrition therapist and owner of Simple Nutrition, a nutrition counseling practice in Greensboro, North Carolina, and the founder of Fork the Food Rules, a membership for people who have decided not to diet. She believes that all bodies are good bodies and that from cake to kale, all foods are good foods. After helping hundreds of clients recover from diet culture, Megan knows that when women think less about food and body and more about what really matters to them, they begin to thrive in all areas of life. When she's not working, Megan enjoys spending time with her husband and two daughters. She loves cooking, traveling, long naps, good wine, and french fries. Megan finds her strength both personally and professionally rooted in her deep faith in Christ as she knows she was created to live a life of abundance and to help other women believe and discover that as well. Before we jump into our conversation with Megan, as a reminder for all of our podcast episodes, this program is for informational and educational purposes only, and it is not a substitute for individual medical or mental health advice. Our aim is to introduce you to the principles of intuitive eating and help you to see how those principles align with scripture so you can improve your relationship with food, your body, and with God and cast out dieting for good. All the goodness in today's episode was brought to you by our podcast workbook. We might be in season two already, ladies, but the season one podcast workbook is too good of a resource to leave behind. So unless you've worked through all of those 14 episodes in season one, that's our four foundational teachings, and then each of the 10 principles of intuitive eating one at a time through a biblical lens, unless you've worked through all of that with a podcast workbook in your hand, then you're missing out. We created the season one content and the podcast workbook to be done together as a way for you to go deeper and bring these principles to life, your life. So it doesn't matter if you've already listened or if you've listened out of order or if you haven't listened at all yet. We want you to treat season one like an online course. Go at your own pace. Go back to it anytime you want and turn your listening into living by using our podcast workbook. You can get your copy over on our website, intuitiveeatingforchristianwomen.com. That's intuitiveeatingforchristianwomen.com. Okay, Megan, we're so excited you're here with us uh, to share your story and to just kind of dive into this really important discussion on uh, diet culture in the church. So thank you for being here. I am really excited to be here with you all. I was just saying before we started recording, it's it's so fun to meet you all like kind of kind of sort of in person. I've followed you on social media for a while, so it's it's great to kind of be face to face. Totally. Absolutely. Okay, so 
before we get into, um, you know, the real topic here, I want to know, um, I want to know your God story and we're, we're going to be talking about diet culture in the church. So I want to know about what, um, you know, growing up was like for you. Were you in church? When did you meet Jesus? Tell us, tell us your God story. Oh, I didn't know I was going to get to do fun stuff like this. This is awesome. Um, I did not grow up in the church. Uh, my family went on like Christmas Eve. Um, other than that, I did not grow up um, going to church. I didn't really understand like who Jesus was, <laughs> Jesus in relation to God, the gospel, anything like that. I really didn't understand those things. Um, I started following Christ when I was in as right around my mid twenties. And I, um, it really, God kind of pursued me through like a number of different people, or I think he pursued me and then was just really kind to have a number of different people around me in my life at that time that would catch me once I kind of, um, understood, you know, who he was a bit more. Um, I had, People at work, my my coworker, my boss, um, my mentor at work. I had just taken a new job in pharmaceutical sales, and all of these folks around me, um, and even another coworker who's my husband at the time, who didn't live in the same city, um, but would kind of talk to me about these things. And eventually, it just he kind of drew me in, and I started attending a church um, that somebody recognized recommended to me. Um, and really all of this, sorry, I'm reflecting back on now. I haven't gotten to tell the story in a while. All this happened uh, out of a meeting, one of my best friends whose husband was in a Christian rock band at the time called the Swift and they lived in Tennessee and they were traveling with like a youth, um, kind of ministry, uh, retreat situation and they were close in Charlotte. And so, so she invited me to come down for the day. And there was a kind of skit that was being done about baggage and carrying so much baggage. And the person on the stage had all of this luggage and just how heavy they felt and how Christ wanted to carry that burden for you. And that was so how I felt at that time in my life. I felt heavy. I felt burdened. I felt like I was carrying just a ton around in my life. And then the, her husband's, um, band played this song. It's called, um, um, I'm alive in love, I think is what it's called. Um, you can download it. It's fantastic. And it just came together for me. It showed beautiful images uh, and it just helped me understand kind of who Christ was, um, what he might want to do in my life. And it was from there that I'd found a church and then had all these folks around me that were just able to kind of continue that conversation and continue pointing like me in the direction of, of who he, who he is. Yeah. It was amazing. Awesome. I love that. (laughs) I love that a song kind of was like the culmination because we talk about songs on here and just in our personal lives all the time. The Lord definitely speaks um, through music, I think, and hearing more people acknowledge that and how you can have big moments in your life where the Lord is really capturing your attention with something like that. I, I, I'm in awe of moments like that. I love that. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing that. That was awesome. Yeah. That's and so I, exciting. And I feel like that release of that, that burden 
feeling just came, you know, very, very early on. You know, some things I feel like we get relieved of very quickly and some things come over time, you know, as we continue, like not everything gets, uh, do we get relieved of, you know, some things are something that he wants to work with us for a long time on. Um, But that, that kind of burden, all that lightened, there was just like a lot of hope and joy. And I feel like I just saw a lot of things differently in life. Um, that were already part of my day to day, but then just looked very differently after that point. Awesome. Awesome. What are some examples? What are some things that look different in your life after coming to know Christ? I felt like I saw people differently. You know, I saw them, I don't know, it was almost like my eyes could see them more clearly. It was suddenly I was more interested in some of the humans that were in front of me that I interacted with on a day to day basis. As I mentioned before, I was a pharmaceutical rep in my past life. And so even just, you know, as I would come into doctor's offices and meet and talk with, you know, receptionists, you know, normally it was just, you know, I signed in and everything was just more so, um, I don't know, it's like Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's like everything. It's like, I just wanted to kind of, um, I saw everybody differently more as, you know, people that he had created, I think is maybe what had shifted and changed. And, it just caused me to want to interact more. It caused me want to care more. It caused me to want to understand better. Um, and I think that that's still true today. I think that um, I'm continuing to understand what it means to want to understand better, more deeply, and to care more deeply. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. So true. Knowing God and knowing that he created all of us in his image. It just gives you different eyes when you look at people, when you talk to people, when you experience people. Um, I think the Holy Spirit gives us the gift of seeing him in other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's awesome. So where's your food story in this? <laughs> um, I, as a pharmaceutical rep, promoted pharmaceutical products that were for um, type 2 diabetes, high cholesterol, high blood pressure. Um, And of course, a lot of things that come up are lifestyle changes. As a matter of fact, for all those products, like the indications are even written like uh, after lifestyle changes, like that's always supposed to be the first line of of Mm -hmm. therapy for treating anybody. And so this would commonly come up in conversations uh, with healthcare providers, their challenges with helping people with that. And, um, I, I think through that, my like interest kept growing, like in wanting to make a greater impact in people's lives as it related to more specifically food. And um, my interest in food had even started earlier. I had an undergraduate degree in biology and it had just come short of finishing my minor in nutrition. I was ready to get out of school and I still had like some more work to do. And I was like, I'll stop. I'd done the courses. So somewhere in there, there was some sort of interest because I wanted to add it to what I was doing. Um, And so what I thought was an interest in helping like folks with diabetes, um, with food, really my interest at first was things like weight management. You know, I was definitely um, just under the mindset, much like many of our healthcare providers are, you know, that was the conversation I listened to that, um, weight was, was important as it related to health. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's what started me on a, on the journey. And so I quit my job 
um, and went back to school full-time. I felt the Lord telling me to quit my job and go back to school full-time. And that was kind of a time coming. I knew that switch was going to happen, but I felt like active waiting was definitely what I experienced for years prior to being in a place to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, Of course, I was really privileged to be able to do so. My husband had a job, had insurance coverage, which allowed me to be able to quit my job and go back to school full-time to get my master's in nutrition in my registered dietetic certification. And uh, through that time uh, that I was there, um, I started to become introduced to things like Ellen Satter's division of responsibility. I was actually pregnant with my first child while I was in graduate school and took, uh, sat in on the maternal infant and nutrition class that was taught (laughs) and uh, in order really for more personal information. And then Ellen Satter came. And then when I was an intern, um, my colleague, Laura, who works with me now in my practice, I was actually, she was my preceptor when I was doing my outpatient rotation. And she introduced me to intuitive eating. Um, I became connected with other professionals in town and they were all health at every size providers because I started treating eating disorders and uh, which is something I said I would never do by the way I have <laughs> I have a friend who is the founder of a nonprofit women's counseling ministry in town and she and I jogged together and she told me one day while running she was like you know what we really need we really need more eating disorder dietitians in town we don't have enough of them and I was like that is a calling and it's not mine <laughs> And I was wrong um, because it was actually Laura who had uh, too many, couldn't take on any more eating disorder um, clients where she was at. And she had started um, referring to me, asking me if I could see some folks and that she would support me. And and I realized then that I loved it. And so health at every size, intuitive eating, all of that really unfolded um, and helped really, I really connected with it. I saw it in practice through the folks that I was serving and, um, and really helped me. <laughs> it was very easy to move away from this concept of like lifestyle change in our traditional healthcare sense um, and understanding that that's there's a reason why that feels so difficult. There's a reason why our healthcare providers feel so challenged by this concept and aren't seeing um, what they hope to see, you know, in, and that, and that's, you know, you know, much of what you guys talk about here on your podcast and we could spend a whole nother episode talking about, but um, that is where I, you know, how I ended up here in that journey. Okay. So how, like before you were talking, we were a pharmaceutical rep and you were talking to doctors and physicians about the lifestyle change things. How did you relate to food? What was your relationship with food like? Hmm. I think for the, for the most part, my relationship with food was uh, similar in like a where, where will we put it on the disordered eating spectrum? Like I didn't diet, mm-hmm. um, but definitely had some concepts of good and bad food. Mm-hmm. Um, and definitely, you know, had plenty of that language as part of, you know, my regular conversation, but nothing was completely off limits, but somewhere in there, 
kind of more of the clean eating thing kind of took hold and made eating much more complicated. Mm. And, you know, as I read books, like, um, I think it started out with in defense of food, mm-hmm. um, and then food Inc and mm. documentaries and much like, uh, a lot of my, my clients have shared with me, like one of those things kind of happens and all of a sudden, you know, it kind of evokes some fear in you. Mm-hmm. And I think there was a fear of, you know, what, you know, what could these different things that people are talking about, um, about the processing of food, the industrialization of food, you know, how, how did this, how could this impact me? And what that translated to behavior wise was just, label reading to a point that, and not so much like fat or calories or anything like that. I was not concerned about those things was more so, um, and a lot of things helped me move away from some diet foods, right? Like (laughs) salad dressings that don't have fat in them. Like what, what actually is that? Um, it helped me move away from some of those things, but also created this issue of like, you know, is this safe for me? You know, Um, and, and that makes, that suddenly makes a trip to the grocery store much more complicated than it needs to be. You know, it took a lot of energy and I mean, what a lot of times we don't talk about in the healthcare setting is like stress is not good for our health. And suddenly, a you know, activity of daily living, like trying to put together a meal or going to the grocery store has become like much more stressful. Yeah, we have very similar stories. <laughs> that oh, was yeah. I'm just going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> that was very much my experience as well. And definitely got like, it like peaked through school. I did my undergrad in nutrition and then went right into grad school. And there was like this peak where the stress of eating perfectly clean and worrying so much about what was going to happen to my body, et cetera, just broke. I, I got diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis Mm -hmm. and it kind of sent me on this. I started looking at intuitive eating and then my whole, you know, career path changed towards that. So I feel you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's like suddenly it's becoming like really complicated to choose a loaf of bread. And I'm like, you know, like Like no matter what I eat at this point, no matter what I eat, I feel like there's something wrong with it. Yeah. 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 I'm glad that's coming up. I mean, I hate that you had to experience that. Um, But I think this is a really good illustration of this other more, um, contemporary version of diet culture as it is morphing into wellness culture and, oh, I'm not doing this, you know, finding the perfect loaf of bread because I care about my weight. I'm doing it because I care about my health. And that subtle little distinction in our mindset um, and our, and our way we label things and think about them is so, um, so fraught, (laughs) Mm -hmm. so fraught with issues. And um, I just, what would you say to that type of thinking? Uh, how how would you, um, for the woman who's listening, who is like, oh yeah, that's me. I there's no safe ingredient. Like, what can I eat? How do you how do you speak um, the truth of the gospel and the truth of the way our bodies are designed to that woman? Oh, 
it just, you know, a lot of what I said about the stress that it creates and um, the amount of space it starts to take up in your mind, I feel like is contrary to what God does want for us. Um, you know, uh, if you think about a pie chart, you know, and, and you think about the things that matter to you and you need to include food and body on that pie chart as well. Um, but faith, family, hobbies, you know, friendships, you know, things like that. Um, how much of that is, how much of that space is dedicated to, you know, food and body, you know, and a lot of times folks will be like, gosh, that's a really good percent or some, some will say it's like all, all of it, all of it. Well, when that happens, you're squishing out some of the other things, you know, there is, there is a takeaway. And so I say, I say, let it, let it go, you know, let it go. It's, it's the, find, find the bread that tastes good to you <laughs> and that yeah. feels good to you when you eat it. Um, you know, that was what was so, that's what's so freeing about intuitive eating is that you begin to connect more with body. Um, and in knowing that not all bodies are exactly the same mm-hmm. and that foods and the way we experience them are different, um, from body to body. And so using that more as a guide versus the food label of our best guess of what's actually there in the first place, right? (laughs) Um, You know, it frees your mind up and frees you up to really connect with what's going on in the body that like God created you to have. Yeah. Yeah. So I am like so pumped to talk about diet culture in the church and um, I want to hear kind of your thoughts on that. How to, how did, when did you notice it? How did it, how does it show up? What does it look like? I say that nothing discloses diet culture in the church quite like a woman's fellowship potluck <laughs> at church. Um, I say, I think that that is one of the places where I see the impact of it. Um, most significantly is that I remember standing there in line. We did a Bible study on Thursday mornings. And as part of that, every Thursday at my church, you, somebody, some team of us brought breakfast items and it was so much fun. I love breakfast. And for me, this was always like my second breakfast too. My household is up like early. I've definitely eaten breakfast. And then this is like my second breakfast and um, all of these lovely homemade things and, or store-bought things that were wonderful too. Um, and as I'm going down the, the line, you know, there's line on either side of the table, if you can picture this. So I've got a lot of people around me and you hear like, I'm being good today mm-hmm. or I'm being bad today, or um, I this is my cheat day or I'm doing, you know, whole 30. So I can't eat any of this. Or do you know how much sugar is in this? And it's just like, and it's like, you know, and I'm like, whoa, I am surrounded by these incredible women. And I just know like all of this conversation is happening in their heads. And then I know that if that's what's happening out loud, while we're all standing in line for food, I know what's happening internally is so much worse. Um, after that meal where we're trying to discuss, you know, our, our Bible studies, you know, right. Like we're trying to have conversations with each other, um, that it affects how we show up. It affects how we show up. Um, I've, I've seen it 
body image. Um, I've seen it affect how people feel like they can show up in the church, Um, you know, standing in front of the church. What do people think of me in this body? Um, How can they take me seriously uh, because I'm in a larger body? Um, How can I be in a leadership role? How can I be in charge of something? How can I be speaking, um, you know, about these topics uh, when my own and then, you know, whatever judgments we have in the church about a larger body might, they feel like they're revealing lack of self-control, lack of um, willpower, you know, gluttony, so on and so forth. Um, You know, effects, you know, I've, I've heard women say like, that they're challenged with, with those thoughts. And I know it's not just our, our women. I know our men do face that too. I do think it happens more, more frequently right now, you know, in, in our women. Um, and then of course we hear it in the pulpit. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's the other place I, I see it, you know, show up in the church a lot is, um, you know, churches that, that are doing, like something like a Daniel diet together Mm -hmm. or um, churches that, you know, um, I I heard somebody speak the other, tell me the other day that they had somebody, uh, a pastor had their CrossFit instructor show up at the church and talk about, you know, CrossFit and the body as a temple and was using the body as a temple in that context of um, body fitness. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it, I feel like it comes up in a lot of different ways. Yeah. And it, it seems to be like from the pulpit too, like whenever they talk about self-control or those things, there's always some joke about eating or their, how the pounds that they've gained or, and it's, it's like astonishing because if you're sitting out there in the audience in a larger body you're someone that you really respect is saying something about you. Yes. I feel like that um, what you're bringing up, Charlie, is like one of the most insidious ways. I think that it happens a lot. (laughs) I was like, like nothing gets my butt cheeks clenched up more. Like when I'm in (laughs) service at church. (laughs) I'm like like internal, like a tight little ball in church when a passing comment gets made. Um, And, and again, I always, I I think for any, nobody's like, I'm going to say something really crummy. That's going to make people feel bad in church today. It's not, it's the fact that diet culture is so insidious that we, that it gets applied to all things, even the church, like the church is not immune to diet culture filter and it's considered healthy and it's considered a way to take care of yourself. And so (laughs) when pastors reference their weight, when they reference a certain diet that they're following, um, I feel like that comes up a lot, just kind of like an off reference of, Mm. you know, I'm, I'm doing X, Y, and Z, you know, diet because of X, Y, and Z and, um, or, you know, referencing a certain food type, Mm -hmm. um, as, you know, bad, Mm -hmm. um, or that they were, you know, indulging in this way, Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, I, I think that those, you're, I think you're absolutely right. And that those are the things that I'm like, oh, I feel like it's like a drive-by to the congregation. I'm like, there's a lot, there's some people, there's a percentage of people who are paying no attention mm-hmm. really to the whole sermon, right? And then yeah. there's, a percentage, <laughs> I think there's a large percentage of folks that are internalizing that much like they're internalizing all the other messages from our society that makes them feel some kind of way about their body or the way they eat. In some cases, the food that they have access to, which might be limited. Um, and then I think that there's a this other small person on the other side that it's actually really negatively affecting them. And yeah. it's it's bringing out a lot of guilt and shame um, and and really is, is making, um, you know, being, being able to move more freely in this world, very difficult. And, um, I think that when we have the opportunity to have those conversations with pastors and other people that are speaking regularly in our church, when they see that they're like, oh my gosh, yes. Like they, they start to see it and, um, can recognize it for what it is, but it's, you know, diet culture is so insidious that it's hard to even see it that way. It's such a normal part of conversation in our world. But this is one of the areas where I feel like the church is looking a lot like the world. Yeah, I think that you're right. And I'm so curious, Megan, because (laughs) this has been like a struggle for me. I've had many experiences where like diet culture comes through so strong at church or um I had like a, I was at a small group and we were talking about like being good stewards of our bodies. And I, I really thought that the people there, um, knew me, knew what I taught, knew what I cared about. Like, I thought that I was very much in this, like, I mean, not that we can't have different opinions or anything like that, but I thought that like these people know how I feel about this. And, um, like at the end of this conversation that was really good about like being a good steward for your body or whatever, um, someone brought out like these books, like the Daniel fast and like all these faith-based like diet plan books. And I remember like just like the shock and then my heart, like I had like a panic attack because I didn't know what to do. Like this was a leader that I respect and love. And I also knew, you know, I knew so-and-so sitting to my left had struggled with an eating disorder her whole life. And I knew, you know, I knew all this. And I just, like, I had to walk outside. Like I ended up crying. Like it was so overwhelming for me because I knew like what that, like the damage that could be caused from these things. And, um, And I did eventually like meet with some leadership just to like talk it through. And, but I think what is so difficult is just what you were saying. It's like well-meaning. People think that they're taking care of themselves. They think that they're doing the right thing to take care of their bodies. And they, they want to help you take care of your body or whatever those things are. And so trying to talk to people about, it's like, think about how long it took us to learn health at every size and intuitive eating and like really get it and understand it and believe it. When people have had 50, 60 years of diet culture, it's this unlearning and relearning. It's a slow conversation, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. 
It is a very slow conversation. It's, it's an unfurling. I mean, it is, um, and it takes, I like all, all of those feelings you described like happening in your body. <laughs> like I can so resonate with that. It's, it's, you know, it takes, and it takes a lot of energy, um, yeah. to continue to have those conversations. Um, and, uh, that's why I do think it's a calling. Yeah. <laughs> it's a calling that is mine now. And, and I think that the, um, you, know, we have to, all of us have to take care of ourselves. We have to decide when we can have those conversations. And for folks out there that are listening that are like, yes, like I, I am in on health at every size. I'm in on intuitive eating. Like these are, these are things and and they, they're listening and they're resonating with like, yes, it's so frustrating when I get in these groups and you have to decide um, when it's best to use that energy. And this is where the spirit comes in. It's so helpful sometimes too, right? Because sometimes we know like when the spirit's like, yeah, you got to say something. I'm like, all right, here we go. Um, and that can be helpful to use as guidance because not necessarily every, it, it's not that we have to say it every time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do, I have seen just in folks in in my own church where where it's still, you know, it still constantly comes up, but it's also... There's also been a lot of conversations I've had that have made a really big difference and have been really helpful. And I have seen movement and more consideration and so on and so forth. But you're right. I mean, it's it's such a great point. Like we dedicate, you know, our, um, like, you know, my case, my career for sure, you know, to, to understanding health at every size. And it was like, I was drinking from a fire hose for a number of years, um, before I felt like I landed in a place where I was like, okay, you know, um, so it's, it's small conversations. Um, we have to pray, make big, you know, impacts. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So hold on though. I want to, I want to drop in some truth bombs here for this because yes, it is a slow process, a multiple unfurling conversations, and you might not be getting the support you need at your church right now. And so let's debunk what they're getting wrong. What are the, what are the misbeliefs that diet culture, how do we take off our diet culture filter filter when we're reading the scripture? What, what is wrong there? Let's actually unpack it in terms of um, body size um, and gluttony. I know we're two, you mentioned those are some things that need to get debunked today. So let's do it. <laughs> well, gluttony is a heart issue. It's not a body issue and you can't see it externally. Um, oh, say, just say that again, please. <laughs> for the people in the back. <laughs> <laughs> gluttony is a heart issue. It's not a body issue. Um, gluttony does not show up in our bodies. Gluttony is is an issue of the heart and people of all shapes and sizes, um, struggle with gluttony, um, not just as it relates to food. Um, and so it's, it's important to remember that, you know, somebody's body size is not representative of them having that together or not together, (laughs) right? (laughs) Both ways, both ways. Um, what was our other truth bomb? Okay, so how about the just just generally kind of a health at every size perspective? It's like, what does the Bible actually say about body size? Like, where are we supposed to pull out 
body size large means one thing, body size small means something else. Like, where did that come from? You know what? It's not there. It's not there. Like, there is nothing in the Bible about the size or shapes of our body. If anything, there's continuous encouragement for us not to worry about it, not to worry about what we wear, not to worry about what we look like. Um, Man values external appearance, but God values the heart. Um, You know, it's, there's constant, and there's, there's different places throughout the Bible where we, where he doesn't want us. That's not where he wants us spending our energy. Um, in our time, you know, um, body as a temple is nothing to do with body appearance. It's a vessel full of Holy spirit. And the context of that particular scripture had to do with, with sex anyway. Um, uh, not at all about the fitness of the body or the body's appearance in any way. And while we're on that topic, if our, if the body is a temple, if it's a vessel for the Holy spirit, like how can we be overflowing with the spirit if we're trying to shrink the vessel, right? <laughs> like, oh, I love that. That's such a good point. We're putting so much effort into shrinking the vessel. Like, you know, what is that doing? It doesn't, it doesn't really do anything to the spirit, right? Because the spirit's more powerful than that. But you know what I'm saying? Just even yeah. just visually wise, um, you know, uh, it, you know, the, the, the issue is not so much that like, a smaller body is being valued right now. The issue is that we have a beauty standard at all. Um, And that has changed over the years. And it's also, you know, important to remember that. I mean, the issue is the beauty standard that we're trying to apply. Doesn't matter what that beauty standard is or looks like. It's the fact that we have one that we're trying to hold all these people to. Yes. Like if it was a, if it, when it was larger bodies being valued back, you know, before like colonialization of, of, of of America, you know, the, the, you know, larger body was valued. I mean, that's problematic too. Like having a beauty standard doesn't fit with like what God's talking about, like in, in the Bible. Like it's not, it's not something he asks us to focus on and spend time on. If anything, he tells us to move, move away from that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not what we're supposed to be worrying about. And there's one of my favorite things that I have learned um, since kind of opening my eyes to this in the Bible. And like you said, kind of moving that diet culture filter when we're looking at scripture. I was like, there are so many times that God is talking to us about like the context of abundant life with Christ by using food. Mm -hmm. It's like scripture after scripture after scripture of um, the like messianic feast in, in Isaiah, where he's talking about, you know, um, come to the table and I've got my cheat sheet over here in case it came up, um, you know, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. So I spend money on what is not bread and your labor, what does not satisfy, um, listen, listen to me and eat what is good. And you delight in the richest affair. Um, that's in Isaiah 55, one through two, um, earlier in Isaiah, he talks about like on this mountain, the Lord almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats, the finest of wines, um, taste and see that the Lord is good. You know, he wants us to connect with like 
I mean, why this sense? Not why not smell and see that the Lord is good, right? Like there is something that He knows He is saying to us by connecting with taste and this sense. And He gave us that sense, and then He gave us like all these different foods and textures, and you know, things that taste different in order to enjoy them. And when we, if you think about how fraught our relationship becomes with food when we're, we're eating for health, like Charlie, you and I were talking about before, or eating to change our bodies or labeling things as good and bad. Like we're, we're missing out on this part, you know, um, this concept of feasting and, um, abundance and, um, connecting with something taste and being able to parallel that, um, the delight in that with a life um, with Christ is like, it's gonna, like they, they're not lining up in our culture right now. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That really lines up for me with, um, you know, embracing food as a gift, all foods as Mm -hmm. gifts. And I think the just, you know, brainwashing we've all experienced in this culture to label foods as good or bad completely helps you to miss that gift that's in front of you and Mm -hmm. to not be grateful for it and to not experience it with all of your senses and to not um, value the nourishment that, you know, even a Twinkie has. (laughs) Can I, (laughs) can I get some science to back me up here? (laughs) I don't have it. You do. (laughs) Even even Twinkies give our brain glucose and helps it work. (laughs) Yeah. I, I love the parallels that we get from living life fully and and enjoying what is here on this earth as gifts from God. Um, and mm-hmm. I think that only like you don't, I never once experienced that dieting. Like that only came, I could only even begin to think about what abundance and abundant living meant after intuitive eating. So I think that is, um, one of the, one of the critical tie-ins with, um, uh, you know, applying scripture to intuitive eating and how they really, really line up very closely there. Mm-hmm. And I think the uh, Daniel fast is, you know, as an example, and any of the other diets that may come up in potluck Bible studies or from the pulpit, I think the um, the real risk there is it's kind of not only missing that point, but we're getting into um kind of this legalistic way of thinking about food that I think is uh, really, really dangerous. And I know we've kind of talked around that already, but um, I just want to emphasize that a little bit more because it kind of comes back to the wellness uh, eating and eating clean foods Mm -hmm. and all of that. That is the new most dangerous form in my opinion. So can you speak a little bit to um, food rules as a hierarchy in this legalistic sense and how that relates to um, legalism and in the Bible. Yeah. Well, it's, it's again, like your performance, um, you know, there's some sort of interpretation of whether or not you were good and bad or based on, you know, a lot of times we moralize foods, like just even that conversation that I brought about at a public table, it's like, I'm being good or I'm being bad. Um, what we eat has nothing to do with, with who we are um, as people and certainly not who we are um, in in Christ. And so when we create like, 
you know, this uh, like ladder to climb of performance with food um, that diet culture does, then, you know, again, it comes back to like my performing and what I do um, means something. Whereas, you know, the gospel tells us that like we, there's no hoops to jump through. Mm-hmm. You know, um, if you uh, are willing to receive my gospel, if you are willing to, um, you know, name me as, you know, Lord in your life, then like, that's it. (laughs) It's done. Like there's no more, no more hoops, hoops to jump through. Um, there's no more, you did good or you did bad. Um, as it relates to like needing to perform, um, and diet culture is completely set up like the law more so like in, in the law and in the kind of recognition of our need for, for that kind of grace. So, so if someone, I'm going to pose this question to you. Okay. Like, okay. I see diet culture is bad and I I'm understanding like, maybe I shouldn't be trying to control my weight and my body size. Um, but I do know that the word says to be a good steward of my body and I want to be a good steward of my body so that I'm able to do the work that Christ is calling me to do. I have no clue what that looks like now because you just took away everything I thought that looked like. So what does it look like now to be a good steward of my body? Oh, well, look, well, it looks like freedom, but that when you, when you're in that space of like, gosh, like, you know, I could follow all these steps before and feel that I was good. And, and once you take that away, I mean, what some folks say that feels like you're like, um, skydiving without a a parachute. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think it takes steps in learning to trust that, um, the, the body that you have been given can help you with information as to how to do that. And that's where having somebody, you know, support you along the way with intuitive eating can be really, really, really helpful. Right. Um, but to help remind you that you're, that you're doing okay, but approaching food with curiosity, um, and pushing aside a lot of the goods and bads as it relates to food, like starting with that, um, and and honoring some of the things that come up in your body as it relates to food. I'm hungry, so I I'm going to eat now. Like I'm going to trust that God gave me a hunger cue, and you know that that I can honor that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what does what sounds good to me? You know I have these options available of these things that I have available. Like what sounds good, um, and and trusting that whatever it is that sounds best you know, is, is the way you should go. And then noticing afterwards, like, how did that feel? Like, did that do its job that it needed it to do and use that to inform decisions going forward? And that's what it looks like connecting more with, you know, the body that you've been giving and kind of trying to push aside some of the thoughts that come up as you're trying to do that of like, well, I don't know, there's a better choice, you know, air quotes better. Oh, there's a better choice that I probably should be eating that and shouldn't be eating this. Um, and, you know, trying to navigate those and be curious instead and say, well, let's just see what happens. Let's mm-hmm. see what happens when I do it this way. Am I more satisfied? How do I feel um, afterwards? And, you know, kind of re- reacquainting yourself with what your body has to say about these things. 
Yeah, so good. Yeah, so good. Great advice. Mm-hmm. I love that. The practical of I'm in a free fall. What is? <laughs> where's my parachute? That's so. Um, that's so resonated for me. I've definitely thought that. I've definitely heard about women saying that, and it's just so mm-hmm. comforting and brings it right back to God. It's like your body knows what to do. He mm-hmm. made you <laughs> to do this. Get out of the way. <laughs> Listen yeah. to it. Um, I just always reminds me of what a what a good creator he is yeah what a good design the body is like it's just so amazing it is and you know diet culture kind of robs us of um the idea that we can um that we can trust our bodies um and that we can find a good balance somewhere in there for uh, the different types of foods. You know, a lot of times folks will hear, um, you know, choose what you want. And you're like, well, my body's only going to want Oreos and like cheese doodles then for the rest of my life. And I'm like, it's not the case, you know, um, might be for a time and that's okay too. Um, that's part of the process. Uh, but you know, that, that has more to do with a, with a response to what you denied yourself for so long um, and that your body has to feast or famine <laughs> situation um, than it does with, you know, whether or not uh, that food is um, like that food, you know, has a great spot in your, in your regular life. Like it's going to find its way to being what is the best proportion for you, which might be different than another person because God didn't design us as widgets. Right. Um, I mean, he could have assigned us one of those like Jetsons. I don't know if you guys ever watched the Jetsons cartoon, but the little food pellet that tasted differently or whatever. I mean, like he could have done that and been, and been done with it. There's a reason why we're supposed to um, eat food, enjoy food. I mean, he could have, he could have had us had no food needs, right? He could have designed us any way he wanted us to, but we're, we're meant to have this, um, relationship, if you will, with food. Yeah. So because your, your talk, you kind of talked about, maybe you might have a little bit of a honeymoon phase there, right? Where you eat all the things that were restricted. Um, and that's a big fear for a lot of people. Uh, but we talk about, you know, eventually your body will start craving other things. Your body will tell you, Hey, we need like some more nutrients here. And you'll, you'll start wanting those other things. And there's like, this is just my personality, I think. And, um, in intuitive eating, they really, in the book, they really talk about, um, the rebel, the diet rebel. Um, and like, and I've heard lots of people talk about this, right? Like once my body starts craving these foods that were my diet foods that are considered healthy diet foods, like, I feel like I'm being a traitor to eat them or like, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like I'm giving into diet culture to eat those things. And so like this rebel in me is like, no, I'm going to order this instead because screw you diet culture, um, which is just it's the opposite, right? It's, it's not listening to your body again. It's it's following these, these outer things. So how do you help? Like, I guess I just want like some encouragement for someone out there that like you get to choose what you want to eat, even if it's on the diet food list or 
whatever yes. it is. Yeah. And, and if you need to give the middle finger to the diet food list for a little while too, that's okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but just being able to identify that that's what's going on is yeah. important, right? And being able to connect with, gosh, this this other food, like vegetables sound good to me. You know, I used to make myself eat steamed broccoli all the time and out of nowhere now, and it sounded terrible for a long time. And out of nowhere now, I want mm-hmm. broccoli again. And you kind of give it the side eye um, in that experience and say like, no, I'm still resisting it. That's okay. But also mm-hmm. saying like, yeah, my body can crave different things. And like, I, I fully trust when we don't should or shouldn't ourselves that you'll come to that place where you're ready to embrace. If broccoli sounds good to you, then one day you're going to embrace it back into your diet again. And it's going to find its spot just like, you know, cheese doodles and Oreos are finding their spot too. Like all of it can nestle out. But a lot of times people hear the concept of intuitive eating and that's all they hear is the, I can have cheese, cheese doodles and Oreos part. Yeah. Right. And everybody doesn't hear that. Like, no, it, it, like, uh, you know, it, we were, we were given vegetables and fruits and grains and sugar and all different types of things and fats and like our body will needs all of those things. And we'll ask for it when it's given the freedom to be able to do so from, from a much more intrinsic place than like believing that we have to eat it because we should. And then eating becomes like we're reading, like we're talked about in scripture, then it feels like more of a place from abundance. Then it's, Mm. you get to enjoy all of those foods, right? Um, Because our, our foods that are co-opted by diet culture um, can be really enjoyable, but get kind of ruined because they become should foods. And that does something to us internally. And it can change the way we experience those things for a negative way too. We should be able to enjoy all of them. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. I think we talked about this in terms of, um, you know, exercise slash joyful movement, Charlie, before, but it's like, well, you know what? No, diet culture does not get to have broccoli and salad. I happen to love broccoli and salad. Like you're not going to make me feel a certain way about eating it. I I like it. I want it. (laughs) No judgments are being placed on that. Diet culture doesn't get to have uh, running. If you love to run, I think Megan, you said you're a jogger. It's like that is a a joyful movement activity. They don't Mm -hmm. get to have that just because somebody deems it quote unquote air quotes here, uh, good or should (laughs) the other word. (laughs) Yes. Some of those things that have been co-opted don't have to become should nots once you're an intuitive eater either. Intuitive eating is about connecting with what your body has to say. And then you get to decide what you do with that, right? Um, There's no right or wrongs. Um, Somebody connects with something. It doesn't mean they have to act on it either. Um, But what I love about intuitive eating is that it puts the person back in the driver's seat. And it's no longer the shoulds or the shouldn'ts and the goods and the bads that are driving. It's the person. And they get to decide, am I going to honor my fullness or not? Doesn't matter. You know, it's it's their choice, right? Um, you know, I, I the broccoli kind of sounds good, but I want to eat this cookie anyway. Um, you know, that's that's the the choice. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody gets to make their own choices, but I love that it it gets them back to making their choices. You know, for their body. 
Yeah. And just like we're, as we're talking about, you know, you could look at a salad and say, that's a diet culture food, or you could look at movement and say, that's CrossFit, that's diet culture. Mm -hmm. Um, That's just like looking at someone's body and saying, oh, she's very self-controlled or, oh, that person's very gluttonous. You can't just, it's a heart thing. Mm -hmm. It's like, where's your heart? when you're doing CrossFit? Where's your heart when you're eating the broccoli? Where's your heart when you're not working out and taking a nap instead? Like that's, that's what all of this is. Like, where is your heart? Why are you doing what you're doing? Right. Totally. Which which is, um, you know, a form of, of like worship, if you will, right? Like, are we we worshiping a a certain beauty standard? Um, Are we, uh, worshiping, worshiping like the gloriousness and the goodness of all that, you know, we have been given with different types of, of foods and movement and things like that. And the, the good ways we can experience them in our bodies. Yeah. Yeah. So good, man. Our bodies are good bodies. Thank you, God. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So Megan, I want you to, um, Share with everybody where they can find you and shout out all your resources. But to start us off with um, Fork the Food Rules, please. (laughs) What is that? And why is that name so awesome? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Fork the Food Rules came from a place of Laura and I constantly saying, like, you know what we need? We need more community. You know what we need? We need more community. (laughs) You know, our clients have us. They might have their therapist. Um, and what can be hard to get is each other diet. I mean, living in this world and not being part of diet culture can feel lonely when you're out there. And a lot of times we've been found, we did a lot of great intuitive eating work with a client and they still, they're like, can I set like a six month appointment and just come in and check with you? Because you're kind of like the voice Mm -hmm. of, you know, that's consistent with this new way uh, they've adopted of being with food in their bodies. Um, So we finally, it occurred to us, we're like, well, let's create Fork the Food Rolls. And it's a space where people can ongoing get, yes, like Laura's in my voice, but also the idea is to have folks in there together having conversations um, and the validation that can come by doing this work in community is so um, valuable. You know, it's, I, it's like synergistic effect of having intuitive eating or non-diet or health at every size conversations around people who, um, have been doing this work as well. And so that's work, the food rolls. It's our, it's our membership of where we have kind of ongoing masterclasses and opportunities for Q and A with Laura and I, um, and book clubs. And, uh, it's an opportunity for community. Uh, amongst individuals who've chosen a non-diet way of life. That's awesome. I love that. What a great resource. We will we'll obviously definitely be linking to that. And I just, I, I just love the name. I have to, I just have to say it. I, I like to just say it. <laughs> so good. We, we love the name so much too. It took a while before it came to me of like, uh, you know, like, what is this, what is this space going to be called? And I'm like, fork the food rolls. It's just so perfect. <laughs> so so good. perfect. So um, okay. So where, uh, what, what is your website? Where can they learn more about, um, fork the food rules and where are you online so they can connect with you? Yeah. Fork the food rules is easy. You can go to www.forkthefoodrules.com. 
Uh, you can find more about our practice and the different things that we're offering virtually, or if you're in North Carolina, in North Carolina, at um, www.simplenutritioncounseling.com. Um, you can follow me where I talk about the intersection of faith and uh, food and body at, at Taste and CRD on Instagram. And then for the practice where you'd also get to hear from Laura is at nutrition is simple. And there we put a like around five minute video out once a week where we talk about these topics. Uh, but if you're interested, particularly with uh, faith, like Christian faith and food, you're going to find that more at my taste and CRD. Awesome. Excellent resources. Okay, well, we have a standard final question, but we also have some rapid fire ones. Um, so, Shar, you want you want to hit it with that? <laughs> yes, yes. So, our favorite question to ask people is coffee or tea, and how do you take it? Oh, I do both. It depends on the time of day. Coffee in the morning. I have a cup of tea in the afternoon. Coffee with lots of half and half, and that's it. And then tea is usually plain by itself. We have a lot in common, girl. <laughs> <laughs> Think of my drinks. Like the, the, the drink, the drinks are like important to me. Like, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Which, okay. uh, which tea is your favorite right now, Megan? Cinnamon cardamom. Republic of tea, cinnamon and cardamom is what I drink in the afternoons. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if I'm having a cup of tea in the evening, it's the, the queen's tea from the crown. Uh, where it's like honey and chamomile. And then during the summer, my afternoon tea is Republic of Tea Blueberry Hibiscus. Ooh, that sounds lovely. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm getting all kinds of tea recommendations and asking people <laughs> these questions. So thank you for me personally. <laughs> okay. Um, your favorite way to spend a Sunday afternoon? Taking a nap. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love naps. So that is, that's taking a nap and, uh, is pretty much it. Reading a book and then inevitably falling asleep. Yeah. Um, what's your favorite scent, favorite smell right now? Mm, Favorite smell. There's this, um, Christmassy candle that I bought, um, that's got like cardamom and I don't know what else is in it. That's the one that I remember. Uh, it smells so good. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm enjoying. Dogs or cats? Dogs. Yes. (laughs) Um, A simple pleasure that you've been enjoying recently. Um, Having time to myself, which comes at a premium uh, being a mom in a global pandemic. Uh, But I've been asking for that time very, very, very specifically. I need to be in my own head. And so that's just has started to be a new practice for me. And that's been really good. Uh, that's I love that. Yes. Sweet or savory? Together combined? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you could have made me choose like French fries and a milkshake. Yes. Yeah. Uh, into the milkshake. I love it. I can't choose either. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Okay. That was the last one. Okay. Well, Megan, thank you so much. We have really enjoyed um, 
having you here with us. And I've, I've loved what you've had to share today. And um, if you don't mind, could you, would you close us in prayer? Well, Lord, I thank you so much um, for Erin and Charlie and the Intuitive Eating for Christian Women podcast. Um, I thank you for uh, the much needed um, work that they're doing. Um, I thank you for uh, creating these amazing bodies as we've talked about. Uh, I thank you for um you know, it's really a privilege in, in our country to have such a, for most of us to have such an abundance food that we can have a fraught relationship with food, really. And um, I thank you that, um, that uh, you, you have created food for, for our enjoyment. And I pray um, for all of us that you continue to teach us new, what that means, um, what abundant life with you means, um, how we can see that in food and and eating experiences. Um, And uh, Lord, I just ask that um, everybody who's listening right now knows that you love them exactly as they are right in this moment. And it doesn't matter um, what they did or didn't do today, um, yesterday, five minutes ago, um, that you can't love them more or any less than you do um, right now. And it's in your son, Jesus's name that we pray. Amen. 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 It is a joy to share this message of intuitive eating for Christian women with you. We have so much fun creating podcast episodes and resources to teach you the principles of intuitive eating, specifically through a biblical lens. And the reality is it costs us something to put out the podcast. We can't spread this message of revival without help from women like you. If you find value in what we are creating, would you prayerfully consider supporting the podcast by becoming a monthly member? For less than a price of a fancy cup of coffee, you can support Intuitive Eating for Christian Women by joining our membership program. Help support our ministry for just $5 a month and we will give you gifts every month in the membership site. You can check out all the details on becoming a member by visiting our podcast website, intuitiveeatingforchristianwomen.com slash support. That's intuitiveeatingforchristianwomen.com slash support. This podcast was produced by Oh Shoot Productions and made possible by the grace of God and the support of women like you. Thank you for being a part of the Intuitive Eating for Christian Women community. We'll see you in the next episode.